Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Well, it's big day. It's well, big day. How do you do podcasts? We did them before. What we do we? is we sit in a room. We sit to a little whiffle. Chat fast whiffle. for about <laughs> half an hour. Is that a, that's what a podcast are? Yeah. I can't remember how they work now. We just talk a little old gibberish, don't we? So it's the 1st of September. Yeah. The Japanese Prime Minister has resigned. Hurricane Gustav has been downgraded to category mere two. After 1.5 million people have left least. New Orleans. The, the expression used on the CNN website is millions flee. It's slightly biblical, I think, you know. But, you know, it's obviously very serious for them as in the midst of it. Even more amazingly, um, Manchester City <laughs> have launched a, a last-minute bid for Dimitar Berbatov of a reputed £34 million, Matt. And the other Ronaldo, isn't it's he coming a good as well? Day. Sarah... Um, Paling, do you pronounce it? The I suppose new, we do. The new number two to McCain was her arrival was greeted by the Times this morning. I noticed with the leader, the head, headline "Half Baked Alaska." <laughs> <laughs> That's good, isn't it? So you know it's going to be heart bait, heartbeat away from the presidency, and previously the mayor of a town with a population of six thousand. Although, as they point out in the papers today, there's a long history of presidents having absolutely no experience of running anything at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, Obama, Barack Obama's never run anything at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, George W. Bush had at least been the governor of Texas. Yeah. Uh, you know, previously, I don't know. Lyndon Johnson, what did he ever run? Nothing. Kennedy. His own political career. What did Kennedy run? Nothing. Couldn't run a bath. Well, you know. My favourite thing about this, uh, about the uh, Republican um, vice presidential candidate, is the fact that her husband is champion yeah. bobsleigh he, racer. He, no, no, he's not. He is a half Inuit championship Snowmobile race. Snowmobile, sorry. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. I've been mugging up on that. That's, that's, that's your next activity. It's a perfect CV. That's your next activity. She ticks every box. Yeah, she ticks every box, doesn't she? She ticks every box. She's got, she's, got a, she's got a son about to join the military. Yeah. So nobody can have a go at yeah. her. She's also like, a member of the National, uh, National Rifle Association. Well, absolutely. As is everybody in Alaska. Kills her own son. There's plenty of things to kill in Alaska. So that was that brilliant, um, you have see the Simpsons, the whole family is a, a pioneering family going across the, the Midwest. And basically, whenever anybody lets off a gun, 
or in the end throws an apple, a buffalo dies. <laughs> you, just, you just hear him keeling over. And have a shot. <laughs> it's like that in Alaska, you know. You're just like, Bang! <laughs> so anyway, that that long intro was was meant to lead to the fact that. Uh, the word podcast is back, back, back. That's the, that's the really significant That's the really significant, though. absolutely. Which yeah. is there being, are front pages across the Western world being, being changed up, right now. Being held. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because we're back, back, back. Because we've been away absolutely ages, haven't we, Matt? Yonks. Mark Ellen's been away even longer than we have, hasn't he? Because uh-huh. you've forgotten how to do a podcast. I can't you? remember. So, we just sit here and we sort of, we, we wibble. Is that right? I can't remember. We, we, we whiffle. <laughs> What's the verb I'm looking for? We talk a lot of old cobblers. Is that so right? Yeah, we're we're going to do a brief, ho- of it. brief holiday roundup. Oh, go on. Where, where did you go? I've had three holidays in August. I've been away for a total of, I think it's something horrific, like uh, eight working days. The first one, I bicycled today with my pals from Newcastle to the Edinburgh Festival. Wow. Up the coast road, 240 wow. miles. I want to tell you we did 96 miles the first day, 94 the second. Got there lunchtime on the, on the third day. Not bad, is it? Fantastic. That was really good. We bicycled. Yeah, we bicycled all the way. Very good fun. Go on, what we else did you do? We then also went to Sark with the family. Okay. The Ellen family holiday. Pouring rain in Sark watching the Olympics. We should talk about the Olympics. They go on famous oh, five holidays in Sark. And I've just come back from another one with my wife and my two elder sisters and their husbands. And uh, we, we lucky we get on so well. We are, not really get, when I tell most people, I go on holiday with my two sisters and the husbands, they go, oh, poor we, they put their head on one side, you know, poor <laughs> you. But we had actually, we've developed it, we've been in, in uh, Switzerland and, and France just for a weekend, actually. We developed a new triathlon event, actually. We were, we were on a, in a hotel, obviously, a, a, right on top of a lake, just outside of Geneva. I've seen the picture. Yeah, I showed you, it was a half a mile across, half a mile back. So the triathlon was, you had to swim the lake and back, right? Me and one of my sisters and my brother-in-law, so a mile swim. That's the first discipline. After that, day, eating and drinking. Those were the other two disciplines. And I'm absolutely, I'll bring on 2012, a match fit. <laughs> I'm pretty good at swimming, but I'm fucking excellent when it comes to drinking and eating, I tell you. I can chew down. The cheese and the gluten. The chariot de fromage, as they call it. They don't call it a platter fromage, it's a chariot. So you had wheeled up, groaning great. <laughs> Trolley of cheese. So you had three holidays. Yes. Three holidays. Matt? I had two holidays. Just the two. Go on. Yeah, I went to visit my parents in Cornwall. Some may say holiday. Uh, for a fortnight, which was really nice. They live in Port Flevin. And we did the kind of crabbing thing. And the looking outside the window. The crabbing thing. That's good. When will it stop? When will yeah. the rain stop? <laughs> yes. And then after that, I went to uh, the Sheep's Head Peninsula in uh, Southwest Ireland, County Court. Where oh, I was last right. year. Fantastic. Absolutely gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, it's, really good. it's amazing. Uh, and where it also <laughs> rained with the addition of fog for a large part of the But the big advantage about the Sheep's Head Peninsula is there is the pub uh-huh. called the Tin Plum. Oh, in, and it literally it's made of corrugated iron, isn't it? It's a tin pub. It's in a little village called Ahakista, which is on the. Eastern side of the, uh, which has live music, if I remember right. Yeah, fantastic live yeah. music. Yeah, has a session at so, four o'clock on a Wednesday. I don't know how long it goes on for. Picking and gritting. Um, yeah, and if the rain's lashing, it's kind of uh, drumming yeah, on the uh, drumming on the tin roof. Yeah, yeah, village, t- village hall if wet. God. Yeah. Very excited. Well, I I, you know, I was in Brittany, uh, which was, you know, in the path of exactly the same weather systems as you were encountering probably in, in Cornwall, um, down in the West Country, and it was perishing cold. And then I came back went to Berlin, oh, which I had a very exciting time in Berlin, which we're going to talk about in due course. But first, the Olympics. Oh, yeah. 
You're allowed, you're allowed one favourite moment from the Olympics. Who's going to start? Matt? Only one. Matt, did you not like it? Only one. It was one. a bit crap, says Matt. Well, I just think the Olympics... My theory on the Olympics, my, my, I feel the same way about the Olympics as I do about going to the theatre. If it's any good, they'll make a film out of it. If any Olympic sports are any good, they'll turn them professional and make them uh, a bit better. Well, th- there speaks a Manchester United fan. <laughs> Dear, you, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't. I quite no, you must have been crucially, we were addicted. No. We were addicted. No. We no. were up, I'm promised, I'm admitting we had very bad weather. We were up, I'm not being funny, up our six. My eldest son, his girlfriend and me, watching, we were talking about, you know, bronze medal archery. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 and I thought, quite colourful turn. Was this in Sark when yeah, it was Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just sheeting down the side. <laughs> we love it. I can't do one. I've got to do three or four. I'll go and give me three then. I'll do three or four. That's the, typical the Mark Swedish. Ellen days. I'll give you one. Can I just say one of my favourite bit is the hilarity of the fact that four highly trained athletes who presumably spent <laughs> the best part of four years practising to hand a bit of wood to each other can't actually do it in the matter. They drop it. They were American. That's a funny bit. They were American. Well, not just the Americans. Everybody did it. British did it. Everybody did it. And Michael Johnson talking about it and pointing out that actually they don't practice it scarcely at all. Because most of the time they're just practicing their, their individual events. And they're all too, too big as superstars to actually spend any time together doing simple things like you go first, you go second or whatever. Is it like Frank Sinatra's duets album? They just all do it. They phoned it in. Yeah. They send it in digitally. Yeah, the band <laughs> send digitally. So it was not that surprising that that happened. Anyway, Mark. Go I've on. got a few. Well, look, very quickly. Um, Michael Phelps's diet. Did you follow that? Oh. And, yeah. Something as large as that was it? Twelve fried egg sandwiches followed by an omelette. With egg fried egg sandwiches with mayonnaise. With on. mayonnaise. With, I remember when I was top. a kid. I remember being told you weren't allowed to, for medical reasons, for your own safety, you weren't allowed to eat more than two eggs a day, or else you'd just keel over and die at the age of six or something. Phelps, you'd be egg bound. Phelps, you? you'd be egg bound. Phelps, that's why he can spend down. so long in the pool. <laughs> that's right. He looks down and does an egg, right? And then I think washes it down with an omelette. So, <laughs> Maybe a creme brulee, it's custard. Yeah, it, it, and and then anything else made of egg, basically. Pint, pint of avocado. Pint of avocado. <laughs> Something eggy on a tray. <laughs> but I thought he was good. I love the way the press got into the size of his feet. He's got size 14 feet, which eventually considered to be flippers, weren't they? They yeah, made yeah, more yeah. flippers than yeah, feet. Yeah, yeah. So that's Michael Phelps. I, thought he was very good. I thought Jimmy Page's perspiration problem was absolutely gripping. I think you saw that. Oh, that's, not, that's not actually an event. Yeah, I still thought it was funny. The double decker bus opens up and inside you think, who's going to be in there? <laughs> and it's a girl I've something's coming actually won X Factor yeah yeah. she's got yeah. Leona Lewis quite famous I'm really out of, stuff, out of touch with X Factor apparently very famous and on page pouring perspiration <laughs> wasn't he I, he sweated more Dave playing the intro to a whole lot of love than anybody did running 400 metres I didn't see this but was it like a fat lass in a chip shop <laughs> yes, he was. He was. I've got many moments. One of the Swedish wrestler who threw his bronze medal on the floor. That was classic. Oh, yes, he wasn't medal. good enough. Not good enough, man. Takes it off, throws it on the fucking floor. You see, I, I yeah. think he should be burnt at the stake. Wasn't he, well, yeah. was he not the guy who also roundhoused the judge? Um, <laughs> roundhouse? That's a good kick to the that, judge in the face. Is that a new what? verb? Roundhouse? Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a method of swinging yeah. your fist. I don't know that. Exceedingly, wow, it's like giving someone a haymaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very similar. Very similar. Yeah, but the new but word everyone talked about was meddling. Everyone was meddling, weren't they? He's coming oh, in. they talk about meddling. Come here to meddle. No, the, other, the other thing, the other great moment, I think, where a couple of guys called Mark Hunter and Zach Purchase 
one of the lightweight double skulls. And they were both fantastic looking geezers with massive amounts of hair product and a lot of stubble. Very styled. They usually are. And they were then sent in to be interviewed by Gabby Logan. Gabby Logan said, absolutely going to pieces at the face of these guys. You can always smell the cologne. Smell the brute, Dave. <laughs> and as if this isn't too much, a character called Lewis Smith came in, our pommel horse bronze medal hero. Do you remember him? Oh, yes, certainly did. Major looker. Came from Peterborough. And it just it was from Peterborough. And it was brilliant. So Gabby Logan is just sitting there, and all she does is go, oh, you're just gorgeous. <laughs> She's surrounded by these three absolutely fantastic people. Goes to pieces, can't really speak. Loses it, loses it professionally. And this is a woman... And the women's triathlon was another good one. The women's triathlon, the moment when they... God, I watched a lot of this, sorry. The moment when they... The transition, as they call it, from cycle to running shoe. They have to get off the bike, put the running shoes on, and run. And of course, the longer you spend putting your running shoes on, the more people are charging past you. People are just thinking, shit, I haven't got time to do my laces. I was going to run. It was absolutely chaotic, you know. So talking of laces not being done up, Usain Bolt, 100 metres, he had had one of his laces undone. Right. So all 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 his parents who spent the last 15 (laughs) years saying to teenagers, for God's sake, will you tie up your shoelaces properly? Because you're going to fall over, you're going to ruin your feet. They point to they point Usain Bolt. To the big man from Jamaica. As, <laughs> 100 metres in three <laughs> seconds. My favourite sporting event from the Olympics I didn't actually witness because like all uh, sailing events, it can't properly be witnessed. It's too strange and it takes sure. place too far out at sea. Did, did you note the, uh, the sea conditions in China? You know, one day it was a mill pond yeah, yeah. Right. still. And the next day, it was like a perfect storm. Yeah. It was absolutely it was extraordinary. Exactly. The, the change was just amazing. <laughs> well, there was one particular, one, pa- one particular event. I think it's the, is it called the 49er or something, yeah, class yeah. or whatever. I, I, I don't keep abreast of these finer points of sailing. Uh, but the Danish crew were in the final. And in the warm-up, the weather was so bad that their mast broke. Okay, so craft. Gotta be a disadvantage. <laughs> Gotta be a disadvantage. Like having your shoelaces undone. They whipped ashore very quickly and borrowed the craft from the Croatian team who hadn't made it to the final, right? Made it to the start line with four, count on four seconds to go, okay, yeah. in a borrow. Croatian boat. In a borrowed Croatian boat. Yeah. Hastily repainted, yeah. you know, Danish <laughs> flag or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, yeah. Set oh, off. Good flag. thing because the Russians were just sighting it up in those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Set off. Weather so bad, that I may have this slightly wrong, but basically, Australian crew about to cross the line first, capsize. Italian crew about to cross the line first, capsize. Another crew about to cross the line, capsize. Denmark, last man standing, gold medal. In a Croatian boat. Gold medal in a Croatian boat. But now, as far as I understand, that's what the Olympics is all about. Well, Brilliant. No doubt optioning it. I, talking of sailing, I, I, I did notice that the, um, the, the, the all-round general churlishness of the Australian uh, <laughs> response to the British uh, oh, yes, including what well, did the, the, um, the Australian the, gem- IOC, the Australian IOC chairman <laughs> said that uh, Britain's Britain's medals didn't weren't really as good as the ones the Australians were because they were all in the sitting down sport. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be cycling. Yeah, that's rowing, not hard at all. Right, not hard. And, and sailing. Yeah, but they, fantastic. they, they, yeah. they didn't mention, what you didn't mention is the other thing they the said is because we got, we got more goals than the Australians yeah. for the first time ever or something. Yeah. And, uh, particularly in the swimming, they did quite well in the swimming. And, uh, and, and the chairman of the Australian Olympic Committee said, it was remarkably good when you considered how few pools we had in Britain and also how few baths. <laughs> 
The and implication Laura, being that we were mucky. That's fighting. Which is. <laughs> Let's take the fight to the next level. Bring on 2012. We'll sort that out. So talk one more. T- can I say one? Go we on. mustn't carry on talking about the Olympics because it's not, Why not? pop and rock related. Don't care. But I did fascinate me. Was, and I'm sure this has been talked about by everybody listening to it. But the, the single most extraordinary cultural moment which we watched live on the internet in the Word Office when it happened was when the Croatian and Georgian teams met on the beach while their probably blood relatives were duking it out. You mean Russian and Georgian? Sorry, what did I say? Uh, (laughs) Sorry, Russian. Just invented another war. Just invented another war. Just started another war by rumour. Russian and and Georgian. Yeah, and and you know, the the tanks are rolling across uh, Georgia and (laughs) two pairs of girls in bikinis are playing beach volleyball against each other. It was the most extraordinary You see, thing. Russian tanks... If it had been, been a boxing match, you know, then the symbolism of two yeah. people fighting out <laughs> the ring. But the idea of beach volleyball, no disrespect to beach volleyball, it doesn't seem a terribly aggressive sport, does it? Russian tanks always do cross frontiers when there's major sporting events going on. There's a long tradition oh, of that kind of thing. Precedent. Yes, yes. It was wait until everybody's looking <laughs> elsewhere. They go, ah, all right, lads, off you go. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast... A way of life. I'm going to throw in one more thing for the massive to just go away and think about because it's a too big a subject for us to ponder here. But I do raise this at dinner parties regularly when the conversation you really flags. Yeah, I don't anymore since I put this question, no. which is all the games, all the world's foremost games and sports were invented and all codified in a very short period of time in the 19th century. Yeah, right. very often by the right. British. British, yeah. Right. Since then, hardly any have been invented. BMX. Not serious ones. BMX, Dave. All right. That was invented. Since then, century. hardly any have been invented. I rest my case. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Do you think it's amazing? Yeah. Sports such a huge business, right. and yet nobody's inventing games. Here's another issue for you, right? Oh, to the party. Michael Phelps. Sorry, we just said we're going to carry on doing that. Michael Phelps won how many? What was it eight, nine? I can't he got gold eight, medal. didn't he? But here's my here's my question to you, right? Michael Phelps is winning a gold medal for being the fastest person to swim whatever it's hundred meters, and then the fastest person to swim two hundred meters. He's effectively swimming, right? Yes. These these girls, particularly in the gymnastics, right? Hey, Kexin was it? The little tiny Chinese girl who was eventually bad. No, they wouldn't be too young. They're doing about they're doing the parallel bars, they're doing the pommel horse, they're doing that amazing thing they do on the floor with the gymnastics, right? All these different they're totally different disciplines. And they only win a gold medal if they get an aggregate of all five. Yeah, it's not fair. I think that's unfair. No, I, th- I think that's right. I think that's unfair because it's just as if we'll do any one of those things. Well, it adds up to one medal. Jack Rogg. He's the chairman of the Olympics. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. But anyway, while you're writing to him, we're in a smooth segue. We're talking about 2012. The big question is, as discussed on the Word website, wordmagazine.co.uk, is if you had to book right now a musical or or entertainment turn to be the high spot of the opening ceremony of the 2012 Olympics in London, in the words of Ray Parker Jr., mm-hmm. who are you going to call? Now, that's, that's it's very mm-hmm. difficult. It's very hard. Because you're going to do it four years ahead. So the obvious, the lazy option... It can't be anyone who's ever failed the drug test, though, can it? Oh, that applies to the musicians. That's the musicians. So solid crew. <laughs> <laughs> Fairly comprehensively, I think, yeah. Yeah, that's my... That's my... <laughs> <laughs> 
So you can't have you can't have the Codgers chorus, can you? You know, it'd be the easiest easiest thing in the world to ring up Elton, Macca, you know, or Keith Richard, whatever, and say major, major thing. Assuming you're all still, you know, perpendicular in 2012, we'd like you to turn up and do I saw standing there and let it be, and we'll all just wave our arms back. You can't do that, that, can you? Because they're gonna really gonna look like pensioners, aren't they? Yeah. So, in which case... Proclaimers? <laughs> well, I don't know, they look like, you know, you've got to look a bit sporty, haven't you? Yeah, but you've got to look famous, you see, you've got to get somebody who's going to walk on stage, and like Beckham did out of the bus at the uh, the handover thing in Beijing. Yeah. And he's, whatever you think about David Beckham, boy, he's famous. He's famous. He's genuinely famous, world famous. There isn't another footballer anywhere near. So anyway, move to the world of, of pop and rock... Who are you going to choose that's that famous? Get Madonna, but she's not British. She's not British. I think she is. I don't know if you could do Where's something. Tweed? I don't know if you could do something kind of. You could put your arm around you too, or something like that, and say. Well, I'll tell you what, you, having spent um, two weeks of the Olympics in Ireland, the Irish would not like you co-opting. It's not as if they live there. Given that the only mention of any uh, Team GB occurrences during the, the nightly kind of roundup of what was happening in, in Beijing uh, on the Irish, on uh, TFE, uh, was when the uh, aforementioned English um, team all dropped the bat on. And it was like a five-minute section. You're kidding. You're kidding. Totally not. We saw it from eight different camera yeah, angles, yeah. slow motion. We'll watch that again. Here it goes. <laughs> that was it. That is actually that was it. Okay, so I can't have you two. So who are you going to have? You can't have Coldplay. I'm asleep already. David Bowie? That's, you see, David Bowie Heroes is a possibility. But then again, he's as much of a codger as Elton. Yeah, he might. He's not. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he will. Elton John, good God. So you really can't think of anybody. I can't, no, I can't think of anybody. And can't so you're going to have to leave it to the last the minute. Streets. No. <laughs> you see, wanna, will they be going in four years' time? There's a groundswell of support. It's going to be a ledge. It's going to be a young ledge. Grounds for the support on the, on the website, actually, for putting the musical conceptual part of it in the hands of Damon Albarn. And I'm kind of with this, actually. I can see this, you know, something that'll sound kind of contemporary and classical and multicultural and African and God knows what and big Jamie Hewlett cartoon figures and whatever. And then to clash on bass. And then just yeah, yeah for the clash of us. And then if Macca wants to turn up and do I saw standing there, David he can kind of do it, can I? That's a good idea. Do you think it? He's yeah. coming through the prism of a young person. Yes, well, yeah. young person. Well, Dave, yeah, Damon Albarn is how old? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. That's quite a good idea. So, so anyway, and moving in another seamless segue for which this podcast is is legendary. While we're talking about you know ceremonies at the Olympic Games and so forth, um, Jimmy Page pops out the bus. The big story that broke in the last two weeks uh, was that uh, Jason Bonham, who's been playing drums with Led Zeppelin since their reformation in whenever when was it, Mark? You went? I was there. Was it in December last year? Was it? I think yeah. Was it really that Day long ago? Yes, it was. Anyway, uh, that he let slip in a radio interview that the three members had been rehearsing and working on new material. Ah, <laughs> uh, you see, and I'm saying this is a huge can of worms because clearly. Jimmy Page is just desperate for it to start all over again, isn't he? Do you, like, do you know how long they rehearsed for that, for that concert? Quite a long time. They, I actually know the answer. They rehearsed for just under three months. That's professional. Percy, <laughs> a.k.a. Robert Plant, the singer, only rehearsed for two weeks. 
They rehearsed for three months, which is why they were so fantastic. But to be, to be fair, to speak you know, so in his defence, as, as a singer, if he rehearsed for three months, he'd have no voice left, would well, he? Well, I think that's the big issue with that, because, because if you've seen Robert Plant recently in his Alison Krauss, um, uh, you know, concept, it's a completely different range, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't sound anything like the Robert Plant, exactly, and partly because it's almost impossible to sound. Of course it is. He's like in his 60s or something. No, he's maybe not quite that old, I think old, he nearly actually. is, actually. Okay, nearly, right. yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's really, really young. My youngest son still impersonates um, Led Zeppelin in one very short phrase, just in two words only. He just goes, Oh, baby! And that's his... That, <laughs> and that makes me really cross. Like, are you trying to tell me you're reducing the entire mighty canon? The canon. Of the, the canon. <laughs> the earth. The earth of this fantastic rough band in cultural and historical part. He says, yes, I am. And then I kind of think, actually, it's fair enough. No, I don't. <laughs> but it's... Uh, yeah. No, he, it's a fair point, though. You can't go back. You know, and he's the guy... You know, the rest of them could, could play their instruments and whatever. Yeah. But Robert's got to look at himself in the mirror and go, and Robert plays, hey, you know, he's a fine looking chap. I'm not knocking him at all, yeah. you know. But he can't slash his shirt to the waist, can he? No. He can't wear the, you know, the 24 wasted, you know, gender bisecting loons, can he, that he used to wear. Well, well actually, he could do both of those things and it'd be a terrible, terrible <laughs> sight. He's just, he's, he's, he's the person them. whose dignity is going to be most, you know, in danger, isn't yeah. it? And the, the sentiments, the, the yeah. lyrics and, you know, singing about Viking hordes and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. The bustle in the hedgerow. It just, it's yeah, not going to work. It's clean for the May Queen. Though. So whereas, <laughs> he doesn't have to do that. He can go on tour with Alison Krauss, clearly having fantastic having time. A great Got a hit album all yeah. over the place and he's singing, you know, music that he cares about. So you know what this means, don't you? That if he ain't going to come back... Who's going to be the new legs? Is that what you're angling towards? Yeah, well, you know, they, they've got to find but something to do with it. There's another issue here, I think, which is, is, at what point do you stop being, kind of legally, <laughs> conceptually, the group that you claim to be? There's a group now touring claiming to be Queen. Well, they could technically claim to be Queen, including Paul Rogers. Or QPR, now, I, as I believe I've they call that, themselves. I've now. seen that bloke on TV, and I don't believe he's Paul Rogers. <laughs> Have you seen Paul Rogers? It's extraordinary. <laughs> oh. If anybody's listening has seen Paul Rogers, I, please, tell, I might imagine. Go see man it. has an... He's tangerine-coloured. <laughs> he wears only, leather trousers, and he wears a white He's not only tangerine-coloured. He, it's the first ever, I think, example of a person being airbrushed in real life. He actually looks it's brilliantly put. He looks airbrushed, doesn't he? He's, he, there is not, not a wrinkle. It does look like he's been goosed, though. He's kind of like somebody's behind him. Like, yeah, yeah, his <laughs> eyes were quite. That's, <laughs> that's always. Arched and goosed. Years ago, when facelifts. Freshly goosed. <laughs> years ago, when facelifts were quite rare, I was at a, at a quite a posh restaurant in New York having quite a posh meal, quite a posh publishing figure. And uh, and a colleague of mine turned to me and said, Do you think she's had. You know, well, I, said, I said, I'm not sure. She said, uh, she leaned to me and said, she always looks surprised. Yeah. And ever since then, yeah, if you want to look out for the sign of it, look like somebody yeah. who looks surprised, yeah. you know. Kind of. The very restricted repertoire of facial expression. Yeah. The other, you basically have exactly the same phrase of sorrow and anger yeah. and whatever, you know. Yeah. There's no, been, there's all, sorry, go on. Yeah, Paul Rogers, I mean, I just, at what point does that stop being queen? I don't really know. I mean, well, it's, so to be fair, if you're Brian May and Roger Taylor and whatever, you want to go out and play the not John Deacons. No, Deakey has followed his own right curious now, path. He's in a big stately home somewhere in the country counting an enormous pile of money. 
But do you, do I'm enjoying it as well. See, we all sneer at guys. Every, like, I'm not sneering at him. I'm every time, no, I'm not every sne- time the Grandmaster flashes the message, comes on, he goes, ka-ching. <laughs> yes, of course. I always say, right, yes, yes, yes. That's right, another pile of money. But see, no, to, to be fair, I mean, Brian May or any of these people, Jimmy Page, why shouldn't they carry on doing what they do? Yeah. What are they going to do? Really Sit at home. You know, but if play. any of us got the opportunity, we'd all do it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's. I'd love to be in the letter. And if, if we're going to be Great. disappointed by it, don't go. So, can I, can I suggest Robbie Williams? Oh, to do the. What are you talking about? To Robert sing Spanish. with. Uh, oh. Well, it'd lend it a new dimension, wouldn't it? It'd be better than David Coverdale. I'll give you that, actually. Mark's not so sure. <laughs> Why don't they get the guy that they originally offered the job to? Terry, Terry Reid. Terry Reid. How about that for an idea? Yeah. Terry Reid, wasn't he off the job and turned it down? He turned it down. Well, now Spend Dave, the... maybe he'd like to reconsider that catastrophic <laughs> you know, position. You know what his family Get motto is? Get back at the start. <laughs> you know what his family motto is? It, you know, what is it? Repent at leisure. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, dear God, he's had 40 years to think about. it. Uh, kick 40. himself. <laughs> every, every night under the duvet. Yeah, you know, kick. in a fetal position. <laughs> <laughs> I did what? Yeah. Oh well. And when so, he finishes, his wife takes over. His wife. Yeah. <laughs> Have you done the washing up, Terry? You can't do that properly. You didn't even bloody join Led Zeppelin. Exactly. Never let him go. A magazine, a website, a podcast, the word. I got an interesting little little um, view of the odd social mobility of rock stars today while reading something about John Mellencamp. Neat cougar. Absolutely. John Mellencamp, uh, you know, he started, had children very young. He, I worked out John Mellencamp's daughter is 38. So, you know, they anyway. They were called Jack and Diane, were they? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> three, three wives, okay? Child by first wife called Michelle, okay? Normal name. Child by second wife, two children called Bobby Joe, normal name, south of, very fun. South part of, of America. Yeah. Second name, pretension, probably just starting to enter here. Uh, second child, Justice. Okay? Right. So we've got Michelle, Bobby Joe, Justice. Wife three. Okay? Two children. HUD. HUD and Speck. Speck. And Speck. HUD. Is that short for something? Or is it just HUD? It's a film, isn't it? It's not in Paul Newman. Yeah. And so, uh, they're named after films? Well, it's, it's kind of, it's a name, it's, it's sort of supposed to be hewn out of the living rock, isn't it? A name yeah. like that. It's yeah. called Jurassic Park. <sighs> what, what's Speck? S-P-E-C-K. So there you are. Listen, I'm going to put that a Christian religious organisation. <laughs> SBCK. Oh, right. Your dad used to work for them. The Society of the Propagation of Christian Knowledge. We're both so well brought up. We are. Anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to th- throw a theory at you that, that's been bothering me, but it's been, you know, germinating ever since I was on holiday in Brittany, reading load of books. Boy, I read a load of books because the weather was so terrible. One of them was, and I know you've read it, Mark. Matt, you may have read it. Moondust by Andrew, Andrew Smith. It's superb. Andrew Smith, uh, who has written stuff for Word, uh, and he set out to find the 12 men who've walked on the moon. Okay, only only Which nine of only nine survive, of whom are still alive. Less you know, than so that, three, three yeah. of, okay, maybe less. It than was that. nine at the time you wrote the book. Nine at the time you wrote the book. But basically, the the really gripping thing about the book is it's just a portrait of the space race in in the 1960s. And the way he tells it, in 1961, when Kennedy got up and made that speech, saying, you know, we we pledge to put a man on the moon and return in this decade. 
Everybody in the space industry went, what? You, you, you can't do that. That's ridiculous. Don't be so daft. How ambitious. Okay? Eight years later, they had done it. It's just an absolutely remarkable thing. And in all, I think they sent 48 men into space on the Apollo project and brought 48 back. Okay? And since then, nothing's followed it, really. Yeah. Nothing gone into... Con- although the Chinese are talking about doing it, aren't they? You know, but, but, That's you not know, true. Apollo 13? But in the, in the main, I think in the Apollo... Yeah, the, the one that blew up. What one blew up, then? Oh, no. No, one, one on the launch pad. Oh, Apollo 13 oh, went up and came back. Space. Yes, oh, yeah. but only, in terms of, they sent 48 men on lunar projects yeah. and brought 48 back, which is unbelievable. You know, Columbus and, you know, 14th century, 15th century explorers didn't have that level of success. Anyway, yeah, the point is... Yeah, but dealing with scurvy and savage Indians. <laughs> <laughs> the point is that all took place, and it's not being followed at all. Yeah. And what I've been thinking ever since is how strange the 1960s were. Well, also, how anomalous the 1960s were. And then if you transfer that, and you start looking at people like the Beatles, in 1961, a bunch of no-hope lads, you know, yeah, in yeah. Hamburg... You know what I mean? Sure. You'll all go home and work in the building society or, you know, if you're lucky, yeah. you'll have enough money to run it, run hairdressers. Eight years later, they're the biggest entertainment phenomenon there has ever been. Yeah? Yeah. And we spent the, the subsequent 40 years trying to work out who's going to follow in their footsteps. And the truth is, nobody is going to follow in their footsteps, just like nobody is going to follow in the footsteps of the Apollo astronauts. Is it just a thing that happened? But no, I, 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 I would slightly disagree with that argument because the Apollo astronauts is, is a financial thing. It's, it's to do with money. If there was the money to send people to moon to the moon again and to build a Thistle Hotel on it and open a restaurant and a cocktail bar, they probably would have done it. But you cannot ever imagine a time when we'd be able to afford that again. Well, except the I Chinese mean, are talking about it now, aren't they? And Richard Branson talks about it every yes. time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he may have. But, and the other thing that really struck me, the, the amazing tale of one of the, one of the moonshots, where two after the, after the first one that landed on the moon, they set off, and as they're leaving the launch pad, every bit of electrics on the flight deck goes. Okay? <laughs> Just everything. Everything goes on the blink. It's a bad moment, isn't it? It's a bad moment. Yeah. And they think, what do we do? Do we abort Did this we mission? Bring in fuses? <laughs> They turn the meter, somebody. They turn to the guy who's <laughs> in charge. Got, <laughs> <laughs> got the electric hairdryer and the two bar fire. Told you not to do that. They Sorry. turn to they turn to the guy who's in charge of the, all the electrics for all the Apollo projects, and say, "What should we do?" Okay, and he thinks, "What should we do?" And basically, he says. He says, in a slightly more sophisticated version, just hit reset, you know, pretty much. Hit that button. It was an IT problem. He hits the button. No, IT I was, you, IT was the inventor. It, have you turned it off and then turned it back on again? reboot. <laughs> IT wasn't invented. Hit the switch. It all came back on. Successful mission. Here's the point. This is what just made me go for a long walk on the beach to think about it afterwards after I read this. The guy who made that decision was 25 years old. There is no 25-year-old given that kind of responsibility anywhere in the world nowadays, is there? He was 25. And the thing, and I've been thinking about this, is that the skills that were involved in Apollo, like the skills that were involved in making pop records, were not that widespread. Hmm. There weren't that many people who could do it. 
And so, so a twenty-five-year-old could be the world expert. Yeah, and, and, and it yeah. could it could be. You know, the, the talent got to the fore more quickly because there were less people doing it. You know, rather than the kind of argument that the stronger the competitive base, the, the higher the skill. It could be the opposite. But there was a time when the internet was entirely run by people aged about twenty-two. Not yeah. now, but. And the other thing, but that's not life or life and death responsibility. No, it's not. But you know, and the other thing about um, about uh, space travel at that point was that the people were superstars, and they're not. You know, people that go up in uh, go up in space shuttles aren't aren't superstars. Oh, not at all. But you know, Yuri Gagarin toured Britain after he came back from being the first man in space, and he came back and he stopped traffic everywhere. He 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 closed down the centre of Manchester. You know, everybody, you know, the whole of Manchester just shut down and everyone went out to see him. Do you know, the first of all, when they built the first uh, rockets, they weren't going to have windows in them. <laughs> and they only put windows in them at request of the astronauts so they could pretend that they were flying them. How, uh, how did they... They could the look t- out. How did they have a little steering wheel? Well, <laughs> they were a little sucker. A little sucker. <laughs> and a little hole. The next scene. <laughs> they got a whole kid of a Russian rocket went in front of them. <laughs> So, the, so, so the saddest sight you could ever ever possibly imagine, Leica looking at the Earth. Did it? Did Leica's rocket have a window? The the, the Russian oh, the, the, the Russian dog, dog in space. The dog going oh yeah, looks at the Earth. Yeah. <laughs> the bastards. So anyway, moon dust. Uh, was the guy? Was the you gotta read it, mate. You think? Wasn't it? it was yeah. the first one. Neil Armstrong. Yeah. Was the first one. Armstrong, Aldrin, Ald- Collins. Aldrin. That was the crushing thing in that uh, in that book, if I remember oh, right. Aldrin, Aldrin had that. suffered so appallingly from everywhere he went in life. He's the second. Was, Ladies and gentlemen, he's come all this way. Please welcome the second man to walk on the moon. I mean, just can you imagine? Silver medal. It's never good enough. Because <laughs> then, now he also talks to, in that book, he also talks to the last man on the moon. That's right. He? The final guy. That's right. Who's kind of hoping against hope that nobody no, no, ever goes up there, there again. Exactly. And he's kind of got more cachet to say, I was the last man last on the moon. Last man. You know. yeah. So presumably you, you, know, the lights you know the, the name, the, the, the only human name, the only, the only item that is of human creation that's been left on, created by humans that's left on the surface of the moon. Gone. It's a plaque with the name of Richard Milhouse Nixon. <laughs> it. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's <laughs> got to go back. It's like Ozymandias. Like right. right. yeah. Gaze yeah. on you, words. Billions of years, people try and piece together one another. <laughs> Who was this fantastic shrines to this man? <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, have you heard Jerry Seinfeld's routine about the moon? He says only man would go to the moon and take a car with him. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. he says, he says, let's go to the moon and drive around a bit. <laughs> That's fantastic. So anyway, um, things that have happened while we've been away. The, the passing of Jerry Wexler. Yeah. Jerry Wexler in his 90s. 91. He was 91. 91. Uh, and, you know, it's quite common nowadays to read enormously long obituaries about any figure who ever had anything to do with, you know, the classic era of rock and roll or rhythm of blues or whatever. But Jerry Wexler was worth every one of those words, I wasn't read the, it? I read the, I read the, the one today that the that Rolling Stone put on their website. And it is, it is there are three fantastic things that I, uh, that I um, gleaned from it. One is that he invented rhythm and blues. That's he right, was, made up the name. They were race the records before. Yeah. Um, and there's a fantastic quote that he, took, that he said when he, uh, when he got his um, inducted into the, the uh, Hall of Fame. He said, we were making rhythm and blues music, black music by black musicians, for black adult music buyers, perpetrated by white Jewish and Turkish entrepreneurs. <laughs> So that's one brilliant thing about him. The other brilliant thing was that he retired to Florida, but 
journalists could always get an interview with yeah, him yeah. because his motto was always pick up and answer the phone. You never know when it's a hit calling. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> great. That's good. And then the, Do you have the story about him dancing in the. Did I didn't have that one. Oh, but tell us your last but one. But the one. last one was a fantastic one because, because he was uh, an extremely erudite man and he was, a review, he used to review records for, uh, for Billboard. And, um, he managed to get the phrase, or he got the phrase for reviewing Big Joe Turner's Boss of the Blues. He referred to it in the making of it as, and I can't pronounce this properly, I'm sure, subspecie alternatanis. Which is uh, under the aspect of, of eternity. It's a philosophy, philosophical term um, for in in the original Latin, <laughs> and, it, and it refers to the fact that um, it's an honorific expression describing what is universally and eternally true. Uh, I've just been given uh, some wow. some British hip hop records uh, for review for the next out for the next uh, edition of Word. I'm going to try and get that. Do you think Jerry Wexler, if he was so erudite and so highly versed in, in, in the Latin tongue, do you think he managed to get any of these phrases into his conversations with Big Joe Turner, who's sitting there recording, uh, you know, I'm a Mississippi bulldog sitting on a hollow stump. I've got so many women, I don't know which way to jump. It's the brilliant Joe. That's a bit to uh, subspecial to subspecial. <laughs> <laughs> You see, though, but those, those guys, they did completely travel back and forth over that line. Yeah. Uh, they, they, you know, undoubtedly extraordinary people, Jerry Wexler and, and Arbit Atticon, you know, who was also passed in the last few years. And, it, you know, if you, if you see the, the film Ray with Jamie Foxx, you know, they, 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 Wexler and Edgar are pretty faithfully depicted in that, you well, know. Apparently and the, he reckoned that they were just, that they were kind of like stick characters. Well, all right, he would, but, but he's but, the but person. He said it's a great film to see. I, I mean, no, but it, it does, it gives you an idea of how those guys, from the curious backgrounds that they came from, yeah. uh, just worked out how, how they could sell an awful lot of records of, Genius musicians like Ray Charles and Joe Turner, who otherwise would have just, you know, stayed in the kind of subculture. You know, yeah. it's extraordinary. Can you imagine him working on Slow Train Coming by Bob Dylan, which she did in one of the movies? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that kind of discipline that they used to making those rhythm and blues records in, in the, in the uh, 1950s and early 1960s, you know, and Dylan with his legendarily um, wayward and anarchic and uh, spontaneous. <laughs> But he probably did those records in quite a disciplined way because he was using, using a proper band, wasn't he? Yeah. That he couldn't just send away and then bring but back every time he felt like yeah. it. Wexler changed after his production style changed and methods changed after he went to, uh, to Memphis with Aretha because in the, when he was making records in New York with Ray Charles, it was buying the song, everyone's on the clock. Learn the song, go into the studio, bash it out. That's it. Whereas down south, it was a much more kind of let's jam around and yeah, see, what, yeah. see what comes out yeah. of it. So maybe that was a bit more. Were you here, Mark, when we were talking about? I can't remember. We talked about it on the podcast, and I'm sorry, I'm going to repeat it because I think it's such an amazing thing. Is I, w- I was looking at uh, uh, John Wesley Harding by Bob Dylan. Yeah. Was made in. <laughs> now, is it three sessions or four sessions? I, it's one of the two. Oh, very, oh, very good. Okay. Yeah, I, thought yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to talk about the people on the front cover. Um, no, yeah, we yeah. did that. We did that before. No, we um, made it in about three sessions. The session was three tapes. hours long. Yeah. The session was three hours long. That was all you could... Uh, you got Kenny Buttery and Charlie McCoy Charlie and whoever, McCoy, and whoever so. else you got. And uh, and so he, he went down to Nashville, did, did two sessions, I think, recorded... No, did three sessions, recorded nine songs, and then went back to Woodstock where he was living. Played the tapes to Robbie Robertson and Garth Hudson and said, do you think it's a bit spare? Do you think you could fill this out? And they listened to it to them and went, Leave no. 
leave, leave it alone. What and he, he, he said, all right. And so he went back to Nashville and did three more songs. So there are no outtakes from John Wesley Hardy. Well, there's alternate takes, yeah. but there are no excess songs. Yeah. So, you know, it's just... It, it, it bears out why it's such a brilliant record. Do you know what I mean? That the kind of clarity you of focus. Mar, he went guys. there with those songs. Those two guys. Just those songs. at the time as well, weren't they? All on a way. I suppose they so. could so easily have said, "What you need is me plastering yeah, my months. lead guitar for months <laughs> all over your record," and associating myself with them and Bob Dylan. Actually, talking of erudition, what you were saying there about about Wexler. Talking about erudition, I saw the most extraordinary thing on the on stage the other day. It must have been on what's today Monday on, on Thursday on the Shepherd's Bush Empire. <laughs> My local big star played, oh, right. uh, supported ah. by my neighbour and pal Robin Hitchcock and uh, and Alex Chilton and Jody Stevens, the only two members of the group still uh, up and running. And Alex Chilton, he was this extraordinary character. I, mean, I, remember, I used to love Big Star when I was a kid. And they were, you know, this is 1972, so you know, they're the kind of the kind of thing. And they just looked fabulous, but they were long curtains of hair, and they were just so fabulously cool. They were a bit glam, weren't they? You know? And Chilton now, he must be, I don't know, probably about 60 or and he looks now like a sort of middle-aged English, very English. Um, you know, uh, he wears ex- ex- very expensive handmade uh, brown brogues, uh, a pair of chinos, belted, belted trousers, you know, keeps a, um, 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 you know, a, a, a white jacket on the entire time. Looks like he's, he's probably been out playing croquet in the afternoon, you know, <laughs> on the ground of some state. Yeah. And he went on about how much he loved England. And he said, the great composers. And you think, oh, great. He's obviously going to talk about Ray Davis. You know, he's obviously going to talk about Paul McCartney. You know, and he goes like, he says, the greatest of them all, of course. And he doesn't mention anything. He says, the greatest of all is Edward Elgar. And he said, and uh, in, in that fair spirit, point, in that spirit, <laughs> no, fair point, but in that spirit, he then gets Big Star to play a composition that is a tribute to Edward Elgar. <laughs> a a big, West Star composition. Big, big Star composition. When Ken Stringfellow, the new bass player, who's a sort of amazing sort of pencil-thin, dyed black-haired goth with painted nails, sits down on the edge of the drum riser, Dave, in order to concentrate on the complexity of the bass part. He's got to play, you can say, people are going to wander off. <laughs> what they want to hear is the hits. They don't want a tribute to Edward Elgar, where all four members of the group sit down. Oh, God. Dave, Dave, it was a mistake. Oh, if well. I've been his manager and said, I love Elgar as much as the next man, <laughs> don't do that again, all right? <laughs> they come to hear a big star. <laughs> I think that Alex Chilton, since there's been a kangaroo loose in the upper paddock since about <laughs> 1975. There's been a couple of roof tiles yeah. that have lost <laughs> in a high wind, like I say. He's been somewhat eccentric. I, I, I tell, you, tell you about my Did lost, my him, lost weekend in Memphis, oh, Tennessee okay, oh, with yeah, Alex yeah, Chilton. Cool, cool, yeah. And this is 1977, I think. And I went out there to find him. (laughs) That's great, to find Alex Chilton. To find Alex Chilton. First time I went to the United States, I went to Memphis, Tennessee, to find Alex Chilton. I was working for Berserkly Records at the time, and and they wanted to get him to do a record. And I found him. He was in Memphis. What a great job. He paid to do that. (laughs) Barely. And uh and went out there. Where and exactly he, did you find him? And what? I found him living <laughs> in a hammock, yeah, <laughs> under, a, under a step somewhere. <laughs> He's living with his girlfriend, who was a driving instructor. I well remember, <clears throat> in an apartment with one of those small dogs that are occasionally, you know, uh, bought by people with a very short attention span. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, the dog or the, or the owner? Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? The kind of dog that yeah. you look at it and you think, this is never going to work, you know, but, yeah. but rock stars, they can't see that. It's like supermodels, <laughs> they can't see that. You, yeah. know? you just think, I want it, I want it now, you know. Cute little dog. 
in, uh, in quite a nice little apartment. And she was out doing a driving lesson at the time, and the dog had crapped on the floor. But Alex was, you know, above that kind of, you know, um, cleaning up operation. You didn't operation. notice. You noticed. Oh, yeah, everybody noticed. You had to walk around it, you yeah. know, with a little steaming, you know... <laughs> And anyway, I had a very odd, I, he was a very difficult person to talk to. Um, but i never forget that weekend because he took me that night to a... a, a uh, <laughs> I can't get over the idea. You and Alex Chilton. Sorry, just to rewind, how did you find him? Was he in the book? I found him, I can't remember. I got his number off somebody and just rang him. Right. And... Uh, and uh, anyway, we ended up at some fabulous antebellum um, southern mansion, white pillars and so forth, uh, at a reception to launch the Memphis Jazz and Blues Festival, where the doorman, who shook my everybody's hand, including mine, as we went in, and gave us a mint julep, was Rufus Thomas, which I think is quite cool, actually. And it's, it's one of the kind of things that only in the 30 years since you've thought, my God, that was quite cool. Anyway, we really did that. Gag about walking the dog. Walking the dog, yes. <laughs> uh, cleaning up after the dog. That was one of his sequels. And uh, anyway, the following day, I was staying in the, in the Holiday Inn, and the, the, the um, phone rings in my room, and reception say, Mr. Hepworth, yes. There's Mr. Chilton down here for you. And I go down, and Alex Chilton is in reception. He says, i got the car outside. I'm going to take you and show you where the blues came from. And he's standing in the hotel lobby, barefoot. <laughs> barefoot. This is good. That's going to be a good day. We it? get in this crappy old VW Beetle, and we set off. And first of all, we go to Graceland. Elvis had died by the, what year did Elvis die? 77. 77. So it late, must have been late in that year. year. And he was, he was, um, was he buried there then? No, there was some memorial garden that you yeah. could go to. Yeah. And Graceland wasn't the big, huge, massive tourist destination it is today. You could just go in the gates, you know, you were conducting to certain areas. But it wasn't anything you like that. Like trying to think three part army. <laughs> Since my baby left <laughs> <laughs> So we did that, a few tourists around, and then we set off down Highway 61 in the naked old VW vehicle. And then he drove me down to, I don't know, one of those, one of those little towns that he found on, in the Delta, where you turned right off the main road into the village, into the town, and you drove over the tracks. You literally did drive over the tracks. You crossed those to where tracks, the black people maybe. lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was white people that yeah. side, and there were a lot more black people that side. And then you go to a general store, and there was, he, he took me to this place because you could still buy voodoo potions in these places. You know, it was before the March of 7 11. Yeah. Everything became homogenous. This is sort of rabbit's fruit. And we bought, we bought a mojo hand. You know, a mojo hand, which is a little, like a little, little bag, a little felt bag with a, with a kind of, like a small vial of supposed perfume or whatever inside it that you could, I don't know, you, 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 you put drops on your <laughs> beloved <laughs> yeah. and she wouldn't be unfaithful to you or whatever. Yeah. And, uh. Wouldn't be able to get that through Homeland Security or <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't. And then we drove further on down through the woods past literally tar paper shacks. The people living in, you know, kind of conditions you only see in Africa. And, uh, 
to the levee and then the Mississippi. Fantastic. So I did with your mojo hand. With your mojo hand without a shield. It's quite cool, isn't that it? That is a very good start. <laughs> with no shoes on. With no he shoes. had no shoes on. I had a very stout pair of brogues. <laughs> yeah. You know, a pair of cavalry twills, obviously. At a Kendall Harris Tweed. So Harris Tweed jacket. Kendall Mitchell was firing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hairy sweater. Yes. <laughs> so that was, uh, yeah, that was Alex Chilton. That's um, fantastic. Uh, we should maybe be drawn to a conclusion quite soon. Matt and I are probably going to go to the pub and talk about what we're going to do after the wire, Matt. Have you seen all of it? I've seen all of it. Seen You've all seen of it. all of it. I've seen all of it. Can I plug the latest edition of, not latest, but the upcoming edition of Word magazine? It comes out, I think, in, is it Thursday week? I can't remember. Uh, probably And it has an article by David Hepworth mm-hmm. about The Wire. Mm-hmm. An interview I, with David I, I Simon. I hate to say complimentary things uh, in front of him. I only ever say them behind his back normally, but I have to say it's quite good. Is it really? This article, yeah. yeah. That's all I'm going to say. It, to it, it's just so annoying to have to say this, as I say, in front of me. It's very good. And there's, yeah, huge. I'm going to have to use the word definitive piece about the wire. And the man, in fact, created it. David Simon. And, uh, actually, I've got, I've got pretty good audio of that, actually, Matt. And what I was thinking, I, I think we might at one stage quite soon do a little wire cast. It's cracking oh, good, yeah. Just all, because uh, everybody's, everybody's seen the wire in the, the office, but they've all seen slightly different right. bits of it. So I think we could do, go and do a special instalment for people who have only seen series two, so, <laughs> series four, one, two, three, four, whatever. Yeah, you know, if you get to the end, you've uh, you've seen it fantastic. all. Very but, good. But I'm watching Mad Men at the moment. Right. I like Mad Men. Yeah. Good. I'm I'm rewatching uh, Deadwood. Oh, which, which I'm not watched. Which is fantastic. I must I must get to that. It's a heavily armed police helicopter. Now, yes. We used to talk about. We're not allowed to talk about the we've, sound of young Islington. We've not had it, have we? We have actually. And I didn't. I did say we were being arrested. I did point it out. <laughs> Was I talking but about? Now, it? No, you were talking about. It, but now we we've got a, a, a huge sort of military style helicopter with it's a chinook, with, with rockets. It's a chinook. It's a chinook. Uh, troop carrier. <laughs> People are abseiling down the building. So if anyone's ever seen that footage of the last copter out of Saigon. Can you hear this out of Saigon? Fantastic. Let's just have two minutes silence to hear the sound of his police. Here they come. Oh, they yeah, one less fellow on the streets than one today, <laughs> This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.